0: Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. I always enjoy questions from the audience. I, I always say that. I know it's at this point really repetitive for those of you who listen on a regular basis, but I always enjoy it. Uh, it's 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 therapeutic for me and. I don't look at the questions in advance, and so I'm surprised as I read them, which might lead to poor answers, but I would prefer it to be as spontaneous as it can possibly be. Uh, We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsors of the Tim McCurden Show since the very beginning here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. And Ryan is a, a really good guy, but you know what? When it gets down to it, I'm sure plenty of you have enough friends. You're not looking for a friend. You're looking to save money. Well, Ryan can save you money and home values are so high capitalize on that whether you're going to refi or you know what let's let's take advantage of this right now and and we can we can do something with our home that we wouldn't able to be able to do a couple years ago uh, make sure that you're doing business with Ryan Kelly at the com. our studio sponsors the whether you're buying a home or you're refinancing it's Ryan Kelly the com. Questions come in on email at at insidestl.com. You are welcome to ask anything. Motherfuck me. Feel free. It's fine. And maybe it'll lead to a great question for questions from the audience. And they also come in on the TMA fan page on Facebook. Uh, I posted uh, the questions from the audience thread and included a picture of me interviewing Barry Bonds. Uh, the picture is uh, from, I believe, the 2000 season... And, um, there I am with a, a full head of hair, uh, and also, uh, it looks like, like a tan and just a, a young tyke, I was 23 years old at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like four months removed from working in Little Rock and I'm just in heaven. I look at that guy and I, and I want to say to him, whatever you're doing to keep your tan, make sure that you keep doing that. And whatever you're doing to keep your hair, and I know the answer is propetia. Please keep taking your propetia son. And 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 that's what I want to say to him. And and also, if you could take the credential off from around your neck, you look like a complete asshat. Those are the things I want to say to him. But I wanted to include an image to to get people's uh, attention that would lead to some good questions for questions from the audience. And I think we have I think we have succeeded because I see there are a number of them in here, and I see my email has lit up, so I know that we've got some. Uh, let's see what we got. We'll start right here. We'll start at the top. Do you think Missouri fans, as in Mizzou fans, have way too high of expectations for their basketball and football teams? Why can't they sell out on a regular basis? That comes from David. Um, I think for some non-Missouri fans, that is a perception of some Missouri fans, as in you've never won anything. Why do you expect to win anything? And that's fine. I, I theoretically could say the same thing if I wanted to, to, to blues fans. Um, but, you know, my, my perspective on, I'm, I'm focusing on, on football because I'm in a college football state of mind and I, college basketball is my God, my interest in college basketball, like 20 years ago versus where it is right now. It just, it just could not be any lower. Uh, it just, it couldn't be. I mean, my, my interest in college football in comparison to where it was 20 years ago, it couldn't be any higher. Um, so with that said, I am of the opinion and Doug Vaughn and I had a, had a back and forth about this, uh, on the Ryan Kelly morning after I am of the opinion that the mindset of, well, Missouri's never going to be a championship program is not only certainly not the way I would lead an athletic department, not to say that any athletic department is saying that, um, but I would, I, would, I would not set the bar low when it comes to expectations. Going to bowls and winning six games and jerking yourself off and whatever random pre-New Year's Day bowl it is, that, that does not constitute success. Uh, and, then, um, and then I'd also point to history, and I'm talking about recent history and how many great years, great years Missouri has had over the last 15 seasons, uh, and 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 I and I'm and I'm almost like kind of weirded out by like not, you know, not acknowledging that I, I, I you know, if we were having this conversation in let's say 2002, when Missouri was five and seven, coming off a of four and seven, coming off a of three and eight, coming off a of four and seven. Uh, with a couple of good years in '98, '97, then coming off a five and six and a three and eight and a three eight and one and a three seven and one and a three and eight and a three seven and one and a four and seven and two and nine and three seven and one and a five and six and a three and eight and a one and ten, I'd understand. But Missouri's record since 2005 is in the top 20 for win totals in college football. Now I recognize some would point out, well, their schedule's different. Well, I mean the schedule, you know most places are scheduling some some layups here and there. And you might say, well, Missouri does it more, you know, and maybe that's the case. But, you know, I thought Gabe DeArmond made a good point that, you know, Missouri's still adjusting from what they used to do with the Big 12, which was everybody would play their non-conference in September and then it'd be all-conference the rest of the way. Whereas with the SEC, most schools kind of take a break in the middle of the SEC schedule. And obviously the reason why Tennessee and Missouri was the CBS game the week before the Iron Bowls because most of the – the blue blood programs use that as a bye week or a week where they play, you know, as Alabama did, schools like the Citadel. So, you know, Missouri has five double digit win seasons since 2007. Missouri has played in four conference championship games since 2007. And twice Missouri was a win away from the national championship since 2007. And whether one likes those facts or not, it doesn't change that they are facts. And so if those things were within reach, then why can't they be a championship program? For real, why can't they be? So, So and then there's this, there, like I I call it the bubble, and I think a lot of fan bases have them. For Cardinal fans, those who aren't part of the bubble, they call it the B-fib wing. Uh, for those who aren't part of the Blues fans bubble, they call them the Bluesers or the Blues Lounge or whatever it is. And so for the Missouri fan base, there's like this bubble and everything revolves around which people in the media are for, against them, who shows up to games and who doesn't and that the attendance isn't good. And that's why we're not good. And it's this really, from my standpoint, uh, odd, you know, prisoner of the moment. Every weekend is determining whether or not Barry Odom gets to keep his job mindset. Um, which I just, I personally disagree with, um, You earn support. I mean, my God, can you imagine if you picked up, or I guess Jeremy Rutherford's not writing for the post Dispatch now, but read Jeremy Rutherford on The Athletic, and as opposed to talking about the Blues' problems and a lack of production from a variety of the high-priced guys, he was admonishing fans for not showing up. What a weird fucking line of questioning that is that goes on annually, Um, like holding the fan base accountable. I've been to Faroe Field when that place is absolutely batshit. Hell, I've been to Arrowhead Stadium when the place is absolutely batshit in 2007. Been to the Georgia Dome uh, when the place was absolutely batshit in 2013. Not as much in 2014. In 2010, when Missouri played Oklahoma, it is still one of my favorite moments I've ever been in attendance for in a sporting event. When John McGaffey returned the opening kickoff against number one Oklahoma, you know, which was the high point of a day that started with college game day being right outside the columns in the journalism school. That atmosphere is ridiculous. When Henry Josie broke off his run to essentially clinch the uh, SEC East in 2013 against Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M. But, you know, if you win, they show up. And if you, if you don't like it, okay, I don't know what to tell you. you. You show me, I mean, even in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Ask Cardinal fans who were around in the 1970s what the attendance was, was like. There weren't so no many people saying best fans in baseball then. So that tilts me. And there are a bunch of people, now, and it's a weird thing. And I'm kind of like, do you not realize there are screenshots? There are a bunch of people following the, te- the Kentucky game who were saying, that's it, I'm done with Barry Odom. I was defending him before, you know, or that's it. There's no way they can keep him. He's gone. And now these are the same people, like I actually know who they are, the same people who are like admonishing people for not being supportive of Barry Odom. I'm like, dude, I could, I mean, I could I mean, I've got other things to do, but I can like pull screenshots and go, what are you doing? It's one thing if you go, you know what? I was skeptical or I totally thought he could never do it, whatever the case might be. But now based on the fact that they finished eight and four and won at Florida and he got Kelly Bryant, you know what? Maybe I was wrong or going. I'm still not sold he's going to lead Missouri to the kind of run that Gary Pinkle put them on from 2007 through 2014. But it'd be difficult to acknowledge that there hasn't been progress made over the last month with the Florida win and with getting Kelly Bryant and with beating the hell out of Tennessee and Arkansas and winning against Vanderbilt. But But it becomes this, you know... Us against them. Either you're pro-odom, you're against Odom. Or I told you so. And it takes like the enjoyment out of it. Like the cat and I were discussing on the Ryan Kelly morning after. It's like we've kind of withdrawn from national political discussions because it's not really a, a philosophical give and take. It's, oh, well, clearly you watch MSNBC and clearly you watch Fox News. So fuck off. And I'm just not uh, it's just, it's, it's nauseating because my perspective is. I don't, want to see, I don't want to see baseball managers. I don't want to see hockey coaches. I don't like that the NBA cycles coaches out quickly. And I don't want to see college football programs especially be just turning over coaches like they've done in Knoxville, Tennessee. Because I don't think it's good for the long-term productivity of the program. So whether Barry Odom was going to win six games or seven games this year, it didn't really matter to me. Once they were not in the mix for the championship, that's where I am. I know some people go, fuck you. Well, that's where I am. And if, you, and if you get off on going to Memphis with the Liberty Bowl, that's great. If, if anything, I'm jealous of you. It's like when I look at the Plowhawk and I'm like, God bless him. He is so happy just playing video games and getting high. I'm jealous of him. To me, the Liberty Bowl is the equivalent of the Plowhawk playing dynasties on PlayStation and getting high. If that's what gets you off and you're excited to drive down to Memphis on New Year's Eve to watch Missouri play Oklahoma State, God bless you. But just because I don't want to do that, that doesn't make me a bad person. And, and, and then these, these these civil wars that go on about supporting the program, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But for those of you who are the ones that are, like, always admonishing people, you're not helping the cause. When you, when you, when you leave the bubble of Power Mizzou or Tigerboard, and then you come out and enter the world with everybody else who's not, like, living and dying – on whether or not this this wide receiver from Sedalia is going to come to Columbia, you know, and you start conducting yourself like that, people go, God, what the fuck's up with these Missouri fans, even though it's just like a couple of them. So I, so I, I think ideally I'm pissing off everybody with this answer because I'm sure there are plenty of people who are power Mizzou and Tiger board people going good for you for saying, yeah, we can win championships around here. And I believe that I legitimately believe that I truly, how can you not? They were, they were essentially in a college football playoff semifinal twice since 2007. Um, and, then, and then secondarily, I would say to those of you who do love what I'm saying but would then be one of the people who, like, admonish people for not showing up, stop it. You're not helping the cause. I would just say keep supporting the team. Keep supporting the team and don't, like, go after fans for not going. You can't do anything about it. I'm telling you this. I promise you this. If Missouri's undefeated, which is actually possible looking at A, the team, and B, the schedule, when homecoming rolls around next year in the middle of October, that place will be absolutely batshit, even if it's one of those shitty 11 o'clock starts. It will be absolutely batshit, just like it was. Take your pick of games, 2007 against Nebraska, 2008 against Oklahoma State, unfortunately, with the loss there a uh, 2010 against Oklahoma, 2013 against Texas A&M, 2014 against Arkansas. Take your pick, it's happened and it's happened a hell of a lot of times. And think about where this place was 20 years ago. I know, I was covering the team. I mean, on my 21st birthday, Missouri hosted Ohio State. And I was kind of like, uh, I guess I'll go to the game." It was my 20 20- and I was and I had a sideline pass. That was where Corby Jones was decapitated by Andy Katzenmoyer. And it was my 21st birthday. I had a sideline pass because I was working for KOMU. I was right down on the field. I think Ohio State was, they were certainly in the top five. At least I think they were. I think they were number one when Missouri went to Columbus in 98. And and I was kind of like, why? You can say I'm a bad fan. If that like, gets you off like labeling good fans and bad fans and true sons and all of that stuff, great. But I'm just telling you. You know, you're not, you're not winning a lot of people over with that operation, but whatever, I know in the bubble it's like commonplace, and it's like, hold on a second, what is he saying to us? I'm trying to communicate as a Missouri fan who isn't in the bubble that why wasn't I excited about it? Well, you can say I'm a bad fan or whatever, but it's because they had sucked. They were terrible. And then five weeks later, they had won at Oklahoma State, which was a ranked team, which was a huge deal. It was like 51 to 50. They get in a bowl by beating Colorado, And then they play Nebraska in what I would still say is one of the greatest college football games ever with the atmosphere, the energy, the afternoon, and everything that wound up happening, even the unfortunate ending. Brett Musburger on the call. And so you talk to to me on my 21st birthday in 1997 and say, hey, over the next 20 years, Missouri is going to be, a win away from playing for the national championship. And they're going to play in four conference championship games. And they're going to be getting the top recruit grad transfer to come to the program, fresh off of a guy who's going to be in the first round leaving after being a four-year starter, after they rattled off wins against Florida, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Arkansas in route to an eight win season. And I'd go, A, what the hell are they doing playing those schools? And B, you're telling me Missouri is beating Florida and getting the... So it's part of the process. It doesn't usually happen overnight. And sometimes you're going to have years that take you back. But the reality is Missouri's been in a place, a stratosphere, that relatively speaking, if you're talking about the Power 5 conference schools, not many have been in since 2007. So I actually would argue oftentimes Missouri fans' expectations are too low. And in order for something to become a reality, you have to visualize it as being a possibility. And so I'm telling you, I think it is a reality that Missouri can be a championship-caliber program. So there it is. I hope I, I think with that answer, it's like giving a take politically, where I pissed off liberals and conservatives. I've pissed off the hardcore Missouri fans and the casual fans, all in one one answer. So I hope I was able. to Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. If you wanna, if you wanna vent. So, Mike, you've been a, a sponsor here now on the Tim McKernan Show for uh, for about a month. <laughs> and I always like to, to, to do your spot, for lack of a better term, because uh, what you do is, from my standpoint, pretty unique. And for a podcast that has evolved into being a St. Louis-themed podcast, more or less, somebody who is a local-focused uh, business mm-hmm. uh, is a perfect fit. So for people who are not familiar with Mike Judy Presents, what is it all about?
1: Sure. Uh, We bring concerts in, all levels of venues. uh, St. Louis, I've been doing it for a little over a decade now. Um, All genres, everything from hip-hop to country, metal, rock, Mm -hmm. you know, book tours, comedians, everything, so... Yeah, we try to bring a wide variety when we can.
0: And you have uh, some some good ones coming to town here over the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I'm just staring
1: here. We've got some hip-hop with, like, uh, Smino with Pageant in a couple of weeks, Dave East on Sunday, uh, Maggie Rose. Uh, Gangster Pete's Mar- all excited about Maggie Rose. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gangster Pete is excited about Maggie <laughs> That's Rose. That's all. don't come to Old Rock House on the 11th of what's January. A, what's Maggie Rose's story, and why is Gangster Pete so excited?
1: It's kind of what you'd say, like more of a rootsy, kind of Americana ish, like kind of some country tinged stuff yeah, right. there. She's got like quite That's quite the presence. The key.
0: Is is there a presence there?
1: That should be a good one. The 11th, uh, you know, we've got Bayside, who we've had plenty of times in February. Marty Freeman, it's like a guitar virtuoso guy in February. You know, we've, we've got plenty of you can just. When you were sending me, yeah. you have
0: some good ones coming up here, what, like uh, a few months from now with some. Uh, mm-hmm. Some big names, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: I mean we've got some top forty stuff. We got some stuff that uh, uh, we can't really announce yet, and coming in March that we're announcing next week. Sweet, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, We've got uh, Bryce Vine that is announced on February 17th. That's the dude with the Broom, uh, Drew Barrymore song. It's all over top forty yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. On the radio room. Uh, yeah, I mean we've got. Lil Mosey, which is one of the fifteen Littles we have on the calendar anytime. So, <laughs> Lil is
0: very popular right it's now. It's quite the Lil yeah. or Young.
1: Yeah, young. There's yeah. the YOU yeah. Young and the Y U Young. Y-U, you have yeah, to correct. differentiate. It's tough. Like yeah. So but the thing yeah. when yeah.
0: We, we got together and we met and had lunch and we're BSing and I loved your story. Uh, it's that's a hell of a story. I always like the entrepreneurial stories, people who take their chances, and you have your whole business uh, at Mike Judy Presents, and follow him on the various social media platforms, Mike Judy, P-R-S-N-T-S, correct, on Twitter? On Twitter, yeah, right. and everything else is just Mike Judy. Yes. They yeah, limit those Instagram. characters as well. They, they do on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, they're out of realize. line. Mm-hmm. But, you, when you, but one of the things that you've been able to do is you'll be able to spot an up-and-coming artist and sometimes bring them to St. Louis mm-hmm. when he or she or they... Are in a spot where they've already blown up. They've already agreed to play a venue that you normally would never get a chance to see somebody at that level, and that's happened a few times. Sure, and yeah. you're talking about Post Malone, and mm-hmm. that happened.
1: Yeah, Post, we we caught him right on the way up. So uh, we we've had some like follow up boy. We've had them when they were already at arena level at little 400 cap venues uh you know we've done snoop dog at, lo- at smaller places before um yeah it's it's fun to uh, pack the disco we did one of those um underplays so those are really fun to do when we get the chance they're few and far between but they're cool a lot of times we uh it's just about trying to hit them right when they're on that way up yeah and uh
0: yeah, yeah. it's like it's like it's like buying a stock it kind of is yeah. uh, my day trading days were not were, that was not a fun year and a half i don't want to go back to that but uh i apologize for the flashback uh, right. so how can people learn more about what you bring to the table and what you're trying to do here and have been doing for a good long while in st louis with your local promotions
1: sure like you mentioned uh uh you can find us on instagram twitter facebook all those uh social media outlets um all the venue websites have us listed um yeah i mean it's uh yeah
0: Social support media local. It's a, it's a different way of doing business. That's independent local. Independent. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks so much for getting on board with the Tim McKernan show and uh, oh, yeah. being a friend of the show, that's for certain. Uh, fan page guy, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Not, yes, not necessarily I'm... what you would describe yourself as active. Uh, but you're there. I'm, I'm, I'm aware. I'm not full-lemming, but I'm like, you know. <laughs> you never want to go full-lemming. No. I've cautioned people against that for years. Uh, but uh, either way, thanks for getting on board and what you're doing here locally, too, uh, as a local and independent guy. Mike Judy presents.com. Mike Judy here on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, in response to the David Hun interview, he posited. Whoa. I don't, I, I don't know if that is. That, is that a proper term, Pete? Posited? I like it. Because I I, I'm taking it out of context as, as he asks but I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, positive, positive. It is. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, he uh, very nice. He assumed as a fact, he assumed as a fact that former Senator Danforth was feeling you out for local politics potential. How likely would you join local politics or what would be the change agent that got you into politics? Yet when David Huns said that, and and again, um, I, I boy, I can't, I cannot recommend enough the David Hun podcast. I've had more people than any other interview we've done, which is saying something because the producers of this podcast have gotten so many good guests. I mean, big name guests, uh, and it's not, it's not a shot at David. David was in awe as we were going through the guest list while we were doing the podcast of who's been in here. Um, that that the David Hunt podcast got the biggest reaction. And it, I kind of think it's, I don't even know what's in second place. Uh, and, and I love so many of the interviews we've done because the guests have been so good and I'm thrilled and honored that they come on the show. Um, but the backstory is, you know, the lunch that I and I've had multiple lunches. I'm lucky enough, this isn't a, you know, a brag. You got to be so careful in St. Louis to make sure you're not coming off as bragging. It's, I've developed a rapport, as I've talked about before with Senator Jack Danforth and and i don't even know how it came up in my interview with david Hun. and i said you know danforth at one point in the in the lunch leaned back in his chair and looked at me paused and goes so what do you think of st louis and anna marie my wife uh, and i were there um and it was it was the f- four of us um um jack danforth's uh one of his assistants and um and i we just we kind of laughed because it was just like wow that's the most open ended question ever And so David Hunn's supposition or positing as it's called is that he was feeling me out to run for office or to become some kind of, I don't know what the right term would be force certainly would be overstating it, but some, something with regard to, uh, being a a face of St. Louis politics or, you know, I don't even know what the right term would be. This gentleman here, uh, Josh used the term change agent. Um, here's what I say to that. And I'm, I'm even, I'm flattered that anybody would even think that that is what was, was going on. I was at the lunch. I can tell you, cause my wife and I discussed it after the David, uh, Hun interview. And she goes, yeah, that I wasn't taking it that way. And I said, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't take it that way either. Um, I do think, I think it's fair to say that he enjoys our company and the conversations we have, um, and we do certainly share a number of common viewpoints, but what I would tell you is, um, here's what I would say: if you think an agnostic, uh, I don't know what the right term would be for my view on sex. I describe it as being comfortable talking about sex. Many around here just call it being a pervert. It depends on which one, which one you want to describe it as. But an agnostic, either sexually comfortable or perverted uh, candidate can win in Missouri in 2018, then I will be more than happy to run for office. But what I would tell you is I am unelectable uh, in 2018. And people would say, let's just play out the hand. They would take clips from the radio show or tweets or whatever, and say, how could we possibly have this person represent us? And they know nothing about me as a father or a husband or have ever even met me or worked with me, worked for me, whatever the case might be. Um, but I would be, I would be immediately categorized as whatever, some kind of ne'er do well who couldn't possibly represent a group of people because of the fact that I talk about sex um, or talk about pornography. As if I'm the only one doing it for the multi-billion-dollar industry. I'm just comfortable doing it because part of the way that we've had success with the radio show and the podcast is just by being, you know, this is the way it is. If, if if something just involves me like nobody else. So that's why like when people ask questions about like radio stories and the unique things that we've experienced over the years. Oh my God. Could I tell you, I, as a matter of fact, I would love to tell you uh, the stories of like what really happened, for example, in the Albert Pujols thing five or six years ago, or what really happened with Martin Kilcoin. And Jason Barrett that day when he left the show, I I personally would really like to know what happened with producer Joe that made his ass bleed. All of these things. But the issue is they don't just involve me. So I'm bringing other people into it who might not be interested in having the, the situation discussed. But if it only involves me and, you know, the only shrapnel will be hitting me, I'm comfortable talking about it. And so I think... So when people said, you know what, I like that David Hun brought that up and I had people tweeting at me and emailing me and here I'm getting asked about it again, about me running for office, I mean, my God. And then if you, th- if you really think somebody as esteemed and wise as Jack Danforth thinks that that's what's going on or is, is, is what's going on with Jack Danforth, and I would tell you, I don't think that's what's going on. Um, I mean, that's, that's flattering that people think highly enough of, you know, wh- whatever it would be that they think that I would do a good job. I'm just telling—and I, th- I think I would do a good job, too. However, I'm telling you I could never win a race, so it doesn't matter if I think I'd do a good job. So I'll stick to what I do um, because I'm telling you I couldn't get elected. It would be like they—whatever, tw- like, like a retweet of Mr. Marcus from 2011 would come out. And you're going, who's Mr. Marcus? I go, he's a wonderful adult performer. He's a delight. Always would wear a, a, a black Dodgers hat. Uh, but how could you possibly be a good person if you watch pornography? That's where we are. How could you possibly be a good person if you are not uh, whatever religion or if you're agnostic? And I recognize that's the way that it is. It's certainly changing. It's changing drastically. But, you know, is that something I, you know, want to expose my family to or I want to personally go through? No, it's not necessarily something. So we can do plenty of good uh, by not putting ourselves on the ballot, but if somebody really thinks that I could, uh, I could win a a race, um, then, then, then God bless America. I'm telling you, uh, I would, I would be, I at least I would guess that I would be considered unelectable. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Why not? Do you have any fun stories about how your affinity and openness for adult entertainment, you see what I'm saying? Has impacted a relationship or situation, maybe an awkward conversation with your parents or in-laws. Uh, that comes from Fancy Todd. That's a great question, and it just happens to be right after I was asked whether or not I would run for office, which is perfect, which shows to you why I can't run for office. But uh, why did I just turn into Regis Philbin there? But here is, here is, here is my answer to that. I, and I have no idea. Like, it's like funny to me because there are people like who know me really well. I don't want to say no. Like, ben, ben, I'll use Ben Fredrickson as an example because I was just texting with Ben Fredrickson, and just like jokingly, and I think it was on TMA when he was filling in one time. Uh, like, you know, like talked about that. Like in Dan McLaughlin, we're doing the, the the show that Dan and I do, and you know the joke is, you know, oh, don't bring up porn talk here. Is it like, and I love how like I'm just like I'm pigeonholed as that guy. My thought process to get here, I'll give you my official State of the Union on on my viewpoint on talking about pornography. I don't see it. I don't see it as wrong. It's it's as simple as that. And then usually the people who are participating in it have to have a certain level of comfort in order to do what they do for a living. And then therefore, if they're comfortable, see what I'd like to think are some good interviews that we've done on the Tim McKernan show, not with adult film stars, but when guests get comfortable, if they're comfortable, they're going to be better interviews. If you give me the option of interviewing, I don't even know who's the the biggest name in the game right now, Abigail Mack or Tori Black or something like that against like, take your pick of professional athlete who's currently playing and is only a couple of years into his career. I already know what's going to happen. The Tory black interview, certain people text in and, and condemn it. Uh, but it'll be a hell of a lot more interesting than the athlete who's going to give you cliches. It's going to be bad radio and I'm not interested. In, and that's why we don't have many guests on TMA. I'm like, I've done it now long enough. I know what the program is. Most of the time it's going to be boring and I'm not interested in it. I don't fortunately need to do that shit. If somebody said, hey, Tim, we're going to triple your salary, but all you can do is talk sports and you got to do an interview with this beat writer once an hour and then this beat writer the next hour, I'd be like, yeah, mm, I'm out. And I'm sure people are going, there's no way. And I'm going, I'm telling you I'm out because odds are the place that would do that would be like a a big corporation and it would probably only be like a two-year deal and after the two years, that tripling of the salary would be gone because I'd be doing a shitty show and people would say I failed. Why? Because I wouldn't be running my offense. And my offense— is to talk about the things that I know, even if the audience doesn't want to acknowledge they're interested in, they're interested in. I know I'm not the only one that's checking out what's going on in the stag industry. And I also find the stories to be amusing. And I don't find sex to be bad. I don't know why it's deemed as such, but for whatever reason it is and it's taboo. And because I'm comfortable talking about it and talking about sexual issues, I'm then deemed a pervert. Never mind. I've been with the same woman for a decade, And been a father here for the last year and a half and couldn't be more nerdy father possible, but he can't possibly be a decent human being. And a guy who's operated a business and worked with largely the same group of people for a number of years because he likes pornography there's no possible way and, and I'm just like if that's what you think then that's fine and what that does for me is that lets me know I don't really care to hang out with you if you're if you're going to castigate me to the side and say that this person's a bad person because he has a comfort level with sexuality and I find that to be dirty or wrong then I know that you're not necessarily my type of person just like I'm not your type of person so when it comes to talking about, adult films or adult actresses and them being our guests. And I've noticed it's popped up over the years, like, Oh, we can't have him on because they talk about the porn. Meanwhile, Bill DeWitt, Jay Nixon, Jack Danforth are all guests and somehow they're able to survive it and then come back and do more interviews. But if that's how you operate, if it's that simple, you check that box and I'm all of a sudden demon boy, then so be it. But I'm telling you that I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to talk about sex uh, and to be honest Um, well, again, when you can't like, like I can talk about my own little world, but then if I start bringing other people into it, I realize that I'm bringing people in who might not necessarily be interested in having their stories told, but I can speak to, uh, whether it be, um, like my mom, for example, when she's listening to TMA, she tells herself, at least she used to, I think maybe she's off this now that I'm like playing a character and I'm just like, yeah, I am playing a character, but if that's how you can listen to the show, then yes, I am. Absolutely. This is, this is Kabuki theater on TMA from seven to 10. Um, I don't know how my dad thinks. I know my dad listens to the show. Uh, I I would imagine, uh, that they, 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 if they listen, they must like it, but that's how I know my mom has said before. And I certainly know that my in-laws listen to it. And just like my parents, they're two of the finest people I know. Um, and, and all four would fall under the category of being people of faith as if you can't possibly be comfortable with sex and also be people of faith. That's also a phenomenal misnomer. Um, but whatever, I just know that it exists, uh, but there's good people. And whether they are, whether they share my views or not, it, that's irrelevant. But I also understand if you're an audience member and you're going, how in the hell does this guy as a father, uh, and a husband talk about this stuff? And I would say, am I mean spirited? Do I treat the people on the show or that I work with, the audience, like shit? Do I say bigoted shit? You know, what's my track record in the market as far as you know arrests or how I conduct myself? I, I would I would welcome all comers on that. Two decades in the market, and somehow, the agnostic pervert boy. Uh, you won't find any issues as far as, uh, the take your pick crimes or, or whatever. I just kind of do my thing. And, and it's, and it, and it, and it, in, 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 and it, it's amazing to me that, uh, being comfortable talking about sex, uh, and, or, uh, porn, um, or having different views on sex than the mainstream somehow then makes one a bad person and and i know that's not the question i know that wasn't the question but i also know that that's kind of the supposition that some have because i've been dealing with it for like uh when sometimes it hasn't happened in a long time i think the show's kind of now at a point where it's where we fortunately don't uh need to to deal with it anymore but where back in the day people like now when this advertiser comes up you can't do the stuff with the porn and I'll be like, okay, you know, I can, I can play by the, I can, I understand the game. I mean, I did local TV, which my God, that's about as, that's about as fake as it gets. So, you know, I know how to play the game. I can play the game, but if I'm going to do a show that's going to engage an audience and, and have a following and maintain that following and ideally grow that following, I'm not going to. Um. okay, there's big, big game tonight for the Blues against the Oilers, and we're going to talk with the Oilers beat writer coming up next and get to the bottom of what's going on with Ken Hitchcock now that he's taken over the Oilers, and should the Blues do something similar now that Craig Berube's in charge? You know, and it's just like, yeah, I'd, I'd be asleep. I'd be playing on my Instagram the entire time we're doing the interview. Just not interested in it. And if that's the way that the, somebody says, that's the way we want you to do your job, I'll go, okay, I'm under contract. How should we work this out? I can play out my contract, or we can work something out, and I I will move on. I'm not—that's just—that stuff— Bores the hell out of me. I am in. I'm all engaged if we're talking about a topic that there is no clear answer. Um, I'm all engaged on political philosophy. I am not interested in political plagiarism. I could talk about religion all day long, even though I'm agnostic, and I could certainly talk about sex all day long. Um, and I find those topics to be fascinating, so that's where I am, but I also know. And certainly some parts of the country are more conservative than others, and St. Louis would fall on the more conservative side than if we were doing this show, say, in L.A. or San Francisco or whatever the case might be, that some of the things that I say uh, some people are not cool with. And that's completely fine. That's 100% fine. The only thing that I reject is that if one is comfortable with it, it does not make he or she a bad person. You know, how I deem that, me personally, is how do they treat people? whether that person's Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Democrat, Republican. And I just, I find that to be an odd dynamic that, oh, he watches porn. Must be a bad guy. Okay. All right. If that's where you are, that's cool. Uh, All that does, it's kind of like math 10 at Mizzou. It's a weeding out process for me. Uh, Hey, you know what? Uh, We're very grateful for all of our sponsors here on the program. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is one of those fine sponsors And, man, have I enjoyed getting to know him. And, man, have I enjoyed being able to tell our audience about him because I know I am recommending somebody to you that will do great things for you. And that's kind of what it's all about. Uh, Now being late in the year, this is a great time to start getting things together with your money. If you want to get off to a good start in 2019, get a jump on it now. Think about it. If you're like most of us, you've probably done some things financially, but you're wondering if they're the right things for you. Or you've been thinking one of these days— I'm going to get with somebody about my money and get this set up right. Well, if you want to get a clear picture of what you have and if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call. With one call in about 10 minutes, you can get a sense of what you need to get your finances in order and if there are some steps you can take if you need to. And the best part, the call costs you nothing, and Mark Hanna will help you understand what to do next. Talk to Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Go to their website at evergreenstl.com. Mark helps everyday people meet their financial goals by helping them create a clear picture of their finances. So call Mark at 314-889-0503 or go to his website at evergreenstl.com to find out more. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right, those all came from the TMA fan page. I have some other ones here uh, in the QFTA file in my email. And let's go to this one. This is good. This is good. We're going politics, sex, and now religion you're hitting on all the hot buttons tim like you i was raised catholic attended catholic grade school and went to a catholic high school my family attended church regularly growing up but i found myself turned off from the religion because i felt like it was something that i was forced blindly into accepting as truth now as i prepare for marriage and to become a hot stepdad myself i wonder if once my stepdaughter slash future children start to hit their middle school years if it is wise for us to stop forcing a religion down their throats and let them make the decision on their own. Or on the flip side, I feel like the path my parents forced me down did actually teach me morality right from wrong and form me into a relatively decent person. Do I stick to that approach? What sort of approach do you see yourself taking with your own son? Thanks. That comes from Don, also known as Carlos Spicy Wiener. I feel like I've gotten some form of this question a few times. And I love it each time because my, my, my answer can change almost week by week or month by month. And it's a weird spot. I, for example, I can I'll I'll tell, I I think an anecdote that certainly doesn't identify the person, but, uh, one of my peers, a St. Louis U high person, uh, one of my favorite people, actually, somebody, we talk about somebody running for office, this person should run for office. Um, and, uh, and has, uh, kids, you know, they're starting to get to the high school age. And he, uh, as I said, was St. Louis university high school graduate like myself and was thinking that he wanted to send his, uh, son there if he could get in. And, um, and then they took a tour of the school and he said, we were really uncomfortable with all of the, you know, religious pictures, the Jesus pictures everywhere. And I know for some people, right. When you hear that, I think that probably that's like a brushback pitch. You don't like hearing that. And I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying he's wrong either, though. Um, but it's, let's let's have an honest conversation, because it was a real thing. This is a real anecdote. Uh, because if this, this I guess at this point, what, 11, 12, 13-year-old hadn't had religion as a part of his life, uh, if his family had decided that wasn't the way that they wanted to raise him, uh, now all of a sudden, part of the curriculum at any Catholic school is going to be theology. And so now all of a sudden— That's, that's one of the ways your grade point average is determined. And then therefore, you know, positioning you for, uh, your pursuit of, of college. So, you know, I have a 15 month old at this point and obviously a ways away, but you still look at what's coming up here in just a few years. And I honestly go, I legitimately go back and forth on it. I could talk about this with people all day long, not as a, you should do this and I should do this. None of that. Just like, what do you think? What did you do? And, you know, as I've said before, the way I try to operate, um, and I've been doing it for for about 21 years, and I don't know what the impetus was for it, and it's certainly not like I've been able to do it in an absolute fashion. Uh, I, I certainly have not, but is to attempt to treat others how you'd want to be treated, or if you'd want to cite it as a New Testament teaching, if Christianity, feel free, I don't do it because it's a Christian teaching. I just do it because I've found that that's a good way for me personally to live uh, and then to each their own. And I know I've visited this before on questions from the audience and it usually comes up when people bring up religion. And, uh, and so I think there is value in many religious teachings and I wouldn't limit to a Catholicism or Christianity or Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, or whatever the case might be. Um, it's when I feel like religion is either hijacked uh, to fit a certain political narrative, and I'm not limiting this to the United States for certain, or I'm not limiting it to wherever you may think I'd be limiting. I'm, ca- I'm talking about across the board, theocracies, anywhere. Uh, I'm not on board. I'm just not on board. And that's where I—that's where, for me, I really get turned off. Um, and, and like I said, I I, I just— you know, it's, it's, well, it might not be coming as much since, you know, in 2020, uh, it won't be a Republican primary, but historically when you have a Republican primary, uh, and I think it's an unfortunate thing because I think it keeps a lot of potentially great candidates out of it. Where do they start? They start in Iowa. What are they going to do? Attempt to appeal to social conservatives. Where is the third race in South Carolina? What are they going to do? Appeal to social conservatives. So a number of people who might be potentially great candidates have to go, God, I'm a Republican, but there's no way I'm going to contend in Iowa and South Carolina because I just don't have these views and I'm not going to act like I do. Or you do act like you do. And then the general election comes around and you're going, oh God, I said this and now it's going to kill me in the general. And I just, I, I'm, you know, but, but here's the other side of it. If that's how people view things, part of tolerance is being tolerant of things that you don't necessarily agree with. You can't can't just be tolerant of the things that you're on board with, you know? So it's kind of like my Mizzou football answer at the outset. I see some stuff that I guess if you would call it liberals, Democrats, whatever you want to do, that I'm going, okay, while you're preaching tolerance, you're actually lacking the self-awareness to go, holy shit, we're actually being intolerant and we're being intolerant of people of a certain faith. It's a nuanced situation. This is not easy, you know? As Michael Douglas says in The American President, America is hard. You've got to want it. It's going to put up a fight. So it's not, if it were easy, we would have an answer. But what I'm saying is uh, I've, I've noticed just like a shift in the landscape of like, you know, from my standpoint, it's, it's, not, it's not cool to shit on any group of people for something that they have absolutely no control over. I, I, that's, that's just kind of how where I am. But I also don't necessarily want to go firing people if and when they do and if and when they slip up. And You go, God, this person's been in the public sector, private sector for 30 years and been a a grade A citizen. But did you see that tweet? Now we've got to take them out, you know, and we're going to weaponize that and make that an example for take your pick of whatever political cause to to justify their existence and raise funds, which is what I believe goes on. Um, And that's the stuff that I don't like and I don't like it and I know it's cliche but I don't like it because I see it going on on both sides the proverbial both sides um, and it's and it's it's also an awkward spot because the broadcaster knowing that inevitably my death in this career will be at the hands of the pitchfork mafia I don't know if it'll be Twitter or some new platform but I, I will be taken out I can already this is no Nostradamus like prediction I'm t- just telling you this is how it will go Um it's just a matter of what it'll be, but uh, that, that there are things that I want to say oftentimes about certain issues, but I know if I say them that they will be construed in a way that I know I'm not intending them to be said, then they will be isolated into a soundbite or a tweet taking the context out of them, and then I will be destroyed by people who do not know me, and I will be judged by people who do not know me, and I'm just not interested in it. And it sucks because I think it allows things to go rolling down the hill that a lot of people who would certainly not normally be considered left or right, and I love when I'm going, Tim's a big leftist, you know, big. I'm going, that's wonderful. How many leftists you know voted for John Kasich in the Missouri primary in 2016? But whatever helps you sleep at night by attacking me, feel free. Uh, but I'm very proud that I voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012, and if that makes me your enemy, then what a wonderful world we're living in. But I'm just telling you that I observe this stuff, and I do feel like a lot of it is coming from a lack of self-awareness from people who would consider themselves to be tolerant of shitting on groups of people. And it's just an its not cool to shit on anyone. It's not cool to discriminate. Now, if you're making jokes and that stuff, that can wind up killing people as far as their careers. It's a different ballgame than discrimination. But I just see what's going on. And it is, woo! I'm telling you, as a broadcaster, and just kind of like trying to navigate the channels of the the unwritten rules, but you just kind of think you know what it is, and you're just trying to avoid the pitchfork mafia and survive as long as you can. If you're really going to try and do an honest show, you know, I mean, it's easy to do. It. Like yeah, coming up, the Cardinals have a big signing. You know, I mean, that you're not going to get in trouble. But if you're going to like really try to get into issues, woo! Cats and dogs. I mean, even talking about religion, all the things that I've talked about, I'm sure I have pissed off some Missouri football fans here. I'm sure I've pissed off uh, regarding me being unelectable some people by saying they're not going to elect an agnostic uh, person who is comfortable with talking about sex. Um, Whatever the case might be, whether it be religion, it's all of it, and you're not going to win. But if you're going to be honest, um, that's where I think you engage people. It's just tough to do because now it's almost like there's a form of censorship against having an honest conversation, and so people aren't doing it. And it's a weird spot. So I'm having a candid conversation here about religion and how we're going to handle it. I truthfully don't know. The honest answer, Don, is I truthfully do not know. Um, I want to, I if I can, give my son, and if we have any other children, the best possible education and let him, and if there's a her or another him, or if it's just Jameson, whatever it is that he wants to do, Um, with his life, I will provide guidance, but I just want him to have a happy life. And if he, for whatever reason, is interested in pursuing broadcasting, uh, as bizarre as it is already now, much less what it would be like in 25 years, I certainly will tell him from my experience, the do's and the don'ts. Um, But uh, I just want, I want him to have whatever is going to make him happy and put him in the best position, which I think is what every parent wants. It's just some people feel like the religious element is much more important than others, which is totally understandable. It doesn't make one right or one wrong. It's a a case of to each their own. Um, So I really don't know. And my wife and I, we really don't know. We kind of, every once in a while, it's like, oh, we got to talk about this. But what do we, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, I think this, but I don't know. And then I go back and forth. I don't know. I My honest answer is I don't know. I, I legitimately find it's a, it's a question, as you can tell. It engages the hell out of me because it's one of those questions. There is no right answer. Anytime there isn't a right or wrong answer, those are the questions that get me going. That's what I love. And then the minute somebody shows up thinking that they do have the absolute right or wrong answer, that's when I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on on Instagram. Let's see what, what Ab- Ab- Abigail Mack's doing in London today. So that's... That's kind of where I am on it all. Hey, James Carlton is on board with the podcast, and he has been since the very beginning. His number is 314-961-4800. He is online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. I did. I made the switch to James Carlton, and I couldn't be happier that I did. I would recommend you do the same thing. The great thing is they do all the work for you, so you don't have to worry about dealing with any of the paperwork. They're going to do it for you. How great is that? James Carlton does an incredible job. I was just with somebody yesterday who said they also made the switch. It excites me. It excites me because now I know that that hey, listen, it's a lot better. I mean, this is a different world. It's a it's a I'm meeting with my uh God, you say it then it can come off the wrong way. Um but, but whatever. I'm meeting with some people and then James is like, Hey, can I come to the meeting? And I'm like, Look at you. And there's nothing like any money to make out of it. He's just like, Yeah, I think it'd be good for me to be. I'm like, Look at you. I mean, this is just that's what he's got going there. I mean, I'm telling you, if I could buy stock in somebody, I'd buy stock in James Carlton. The way he operates his business. 314 961 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. There it is. Another edition of questions from the audience. It's in the books. Uh, it was like the Mount Mount Rushmore of topics that will lead to hate emails. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Send them my way. If you agree, if you disagree, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, these are, these are my opinions, and maybe you can... Uh, Come to the table with a a dissenting opinion, and maybe it'll change my opinion. I don't know. Uh, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, the Expert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton of carltoninsurance.net. Thank you to Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet. Mike Judy Presents, all for being part of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network.